0: Hey, uh, last week, some of you might have got these. And uh, I had a friend of mine preach last week. Uh, Mike Zeno has been a great friend of mine over the years. And uh, he's preached with me all around the world. And uh, he came in and he preached about being thankful. Preached about how his life got started in the ministry. The reason that I had him come in was that I was reading scriptures. And I found that there were many things that Israel did that we didn't do, and that if we don't do, the end time nature of man can overtake people. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that people became unthankful. The reason we become unthankful because is we never express gratitude or thankfulness unto our Father. And so what I did, I told Eric, I said, you know I'm gonna have a Thanksgiving offering. He said, it's not Thanksgiving. I said, it had nothing to do with turkey and dressing has everything to do with an attitude towards God. And uh, in fact, I was going down the road and I said, well, God, I think I'm gonna do this. He said, well, that's a cheap shot. I said, whoa, 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 God. Now come on, that's a good good size offering. He said, I'm not after your offering. He said, don't you think that you and I should talk about what I would think was something of value that showed how grateful you were to me. Then I started looking up this Thanksgiving offering. And what it did was, it has to do with fine meal. Besides the offering that is brought, fine meal was ground up, which was the labor of my hands or the labor of that individual's hand. And then they had to offer it up with anointing oil. They had to pour it over, which was a, symb- a symbolism of the influence or the work of the Holy Ghost being brought together with the work of man to honor God. And so I realized that I needed to talk to God about what he thought would be something appropriate to say I thank you. Because all that we have belongs to God. And uh, now I'm not gonna be offering up my wife or anything unless the laws change. But Uh, But what I did was this, in August, on August 6th, I'm challenging everybody to take this, put it on your table, we already have ours out, pour this sprinklered oil, I think that's how it's, now sprinklered oil into the vase. Every day or so, shake it, what it'll do is, it'll begin to give off an aroma. Now in our house, it's hard to do because we have so many burnt offerings still lingering in, in our house. But August the 6th, we're going to come together as a congregation, and we're going to show our gratitude towards God. I don't know what God's going to ask you to do. I don't know what you're going to do. All I know is that it's my job to stir us up, to bring us into remembrance, and to put things in motion that we can protect ourselves from the things that are going to attack our life. And one of them is a heart of ungratefulness. And so that's why I'm starting this, and uh, it's going to be a yearly thing. I'm doing it for the sole purpose to ignite Thanksgiving in our hearts for God. You know, sometimes people think that doing things in the Bible will offend people. I mean, I know churches that have boxes in the back for the tithe, and, but the Bible said, "Bring your tithe and offering." And and you, you, people are just afraid that they're going to offend somebody. If you get offended at the will of God and the symbolisms of God, let me apologize. Not from God and not from me, but for you being offended at what God is showing us to protect our life. Nobody should be offended at what God has said. Amen? And if you are, then there's something in your heart. And so, Let's just do what God wants us to do. Amen? Amen. All right, so praise God. Having said that, now let's get into the scriptures today. We're not going to preach over two hours, so hallelujah. Let's go to Luke, the fourth chapter. And because of this, for the sake of time, we're going to read just Luke 4 and verse uh, 6, 7, and 8. Now, this is Jesus' temptation. And we're going to quickly lay this foundation, and then we're going to move on because I want to get through one of the kingdoms today. And it says this, And the devil setteth unto him, This power, well, I'm sorry, let's go to verse 5. And it says, And the devil taketh him up into a high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms, somebody say plural, kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power, every kingdom has power, will I give unto thee and the glory, every kingdom has a glory connected to it, and of them that is delivered unto me. This happened at the fall of man. God entrusted Adam and Eve with dominion. He was to subdue these areas of influence or areas that would shape the culture that was coming up out of his children. When the devil took that, now Satan has authority in these six kingdoms, there are seven, the church is the first, these other six kingdoms, and now he is shaping the culture of the world, and he's doing it with a godlessness. And it says this, he was delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it, in other words, He appoints people to be the forerunners or the protectors of these kingdoms and to rule these kingdoms of influence and dominion. And it says, and if thou wilt therefore worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said to him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And in verse 8 is the meaning of worship. Worship is a surrender of all that we have and is servitude to the king of our kingdom. And that's what worship means. Worship means to honor, to submit to, to obey, to kneel down, to surrender all, and then to have a servitude heart towards the king that is ruling that kingdom. Now, we talked about these kingdoms. There are seven kingdoms that develop, shape the cultures of the world. The first one is the kingdom, which is the church. Now, the church is not the kingdom, but remember that every one of these kingdoms that we have here express the will, the character, and the nature of the king that rules in them. This kingdom right here, the Bible says in Exodus 19:5, God said, if you will serve me, obey my word, keep my statutes, and walk in obedience to me and do all my commandments, then you shall be unto me a kingdom of kings and priests. Thus, we have the church. The church is not the kingdom. It is a representative of the kingdom or of the rule of God over man. These six kingdoms here are kingdoms that have been overtaken by Satan. These kingdoms are ruled by principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and rulers in heavenly places. Now, they do have physical forms in front of them, but there is always a spirit of dominion and of something that masters or dominates the individual that you see. We've seen that in Acts the 13th chapter where the deputy resisted Paul and Barnabas. Finally, Paul smites him and calls him the son of the devil and causes blindness to come up on him for a season. Now, these six kingdoms are found in Exodus 3, 7, and 8. Is my screen working today? Oh, it's good. Could I have Exodus uh, 3, 7, and 8 up here? Well, I've got a little tail. And it says, now these six kingdoms are the kingdoms that are in the land of Canaan. Now, God has brought Israel out of Egypt. We talked about what Egypt was. It's really the word is, uh, comes from the word church. Egypt was a church or an assembly of demonic induced people that resisted God's will for the world. Now, God delivers them out of that kingdom. He brings them into the wilderness. Then he takes them into the land of Canaan. But still in the land of Canaan, there are six kingdoms that must be dealt with. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmaker, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large into a land flowing with milk and honey into the place. Now notice that God says, look, I'm bringing you into abundance. But in this place, there are kingdoms that still rule, that will shape or try to shape the culture and the people that are coming up in those lands. And it says, Unto the place of the Canaanites, to the Hittites, to the Amorites, to the Perizzites, to the Hivites, and to the Jebusites. Next verse. And now therefore the cry of the children of Israel has come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Now why is God bringing them into a land of abundance? To deal with these Six kingdoms. Hell, could I get an amen? Why is God? I'm bringing them up out of the kingdom of darkness. I'm bringing them into a land of abundance. I'm giving them an inheritance. But they must go into the land that is dominated by six kingdoms. These kingdoms must be overcome. If they are not overcome, what will happen is the world will be shaped and the culture of the world will be shaped by these kingdoms. That's why God tells Israel, do not let your children marry into a godless nation. Why? Because they'll be transformed by the influence and by the ruler of these kingdoms. Now, you and I have been brought out of the kingdom of God. We are the priests of God. We are the soldiers of the cross. We've been brought up out of the kingdom of darkness. We've been positioned in the kingdom of heaven. But now, we have automatically become engaged in a warfare. What is a warfare against? A godless culture. Could it get an Amen. Oh, I thought he was against the devil. Hello, he is behind each one of these godless manifestations that are shaping our culture and our people or our, our children. These kingdoms is a kingdom of family. There is a kingdom of education. There is a kingdom of government. There is a kingdom of finances. And one of the last two most dangerous are the kingdoms of entertainment and the kingdom of media, which is manifesting today quicker because the Bible says that knowledge shall be increased in the end days. And so we understand that each one of these kingdoms represents something that is automatically opposed to God. Every one of these kingdoms are taking a radical, progressive, aggressive move towards the kingdom of God we have the family the family structure is even under attack by the support of this kingdom and of this kingdom you say well how if you correct your children or your children don't go to school you get thrown in jail The government says you can't correct your children. We count it now abuse. God called it the way of wisdom. But what are they after? All of these are to be ruled by the king through the representative of his kingdom, the church. The church is to produce the family. The church is to raise them in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord. The church is to govern itself based on the sovereign decrees of God. The church is to govern how people stewardship their finances. Church is supposed to control that which is ungodly and that which tempts the believer in entertainment. And the church is to be in charge of and ruling the media. We'll be talking about those things. But today I want to talk to you about the purpose of the church. Why did God redeem a people and create a representative of a kingdom? The first purpose is to erode, to conquer, to subdue, to cleanse a nation of these six kingdoms. You say, oh, it can't be done. Tell that to an Islamic nation. Don't tell me it can't be done because cults are shaping nations right now. If they can do it without the power of God, where in the world is the church right now as it deals with these six kingdoms? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, so what is the purpose of the church besides to get rich, get more cars, get bigger houses, and to sing hallelujah, hallelujah? Well, I think there is a deeper purpose. Could I get an amen? I believe there is a greater purpose. The first thing that God tells us is that we are to worship the Lord our God and to serve him. That's what Jesus said. Is that what it said? So the first thing we need to do is find out how do we worship God? How do we worship God? It's not singing slow song. Oh, I just love worship. It's not even in the Bible. I don't know if there is a slow song in the Bible. I, I, I don't know. But I didn't know they went out shouting praising and dancing hallelujah and acting like a bunch of crazy people and God showed up so it had nothing to do with the slowness of music people say well you know we have worship in our church Well, we do too we just have it today it was just worship of celebration but it wasn't a worship to your emotions it was a worship directed towards God it was a proclamation of the overcoming the mightiness and who we are because of the blood of the cross hallelujah that's worship now Let's go to 1 Peter 2, 9. Now, worship is a part of the believer's priesthood. It is a part of our priesthood. The priesthood was established by God and put upon Aaron and his offspring in order to minister unto the Lord. What does the word minister mean? Oh, it means the same thing as worship. To put a value on, and to serve and to carry out one's will. Wow. That's what worship and ministry is. So when we minister unto the Lord, we are fulfilling our priesthood. But you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth. In other words, right there, notice what it said that you should show forth. Somebody say, show forth praises 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 Shout unto the Lord praises somebody say praises make decrees about God's promises decree who God is declare what you can do declare who God is and what your outcome will be it says praises we are so supposed to show forth praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So it's a part of our priesthood. And when we don't fulfill that, we become something other than what God wants us to be. In other words, though his house was supposed to be a house of prayer, people make it a den of thieves. We can make churches and the gathering of the assembly of the believer something totally foreign to what God wants it to be. But God wants us to worship and to make decrees of him and of ourselves because of him in the midst of the congregation of the righteous. Amen? Hallelujah. Leviticus. Uh, well, wait. Let's, uh, how do we worship God? Let's go to Genesis 22. This is a cool way. This is another way that we worship God. Now, I'm not making these up. These are really in the Bible. Genesis 22 and let's look at uh, verse 5. And it says, And Abraham said unto his young men, Hey, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the land will go yonder and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took of the fur." The fire in his hand and a knife and they both went together and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said my father he said here am I my son and he said behold the fire in the wood but where is the lamb for a burnt offering and Abraham said my son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering so they went up both of them together And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built the altar there and laid on the wood in order. Then he bound his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now we know the rest of the story. Abraham went to slay Isaac, and the angel said, No, because you have done this. God has seen your heart. You have worshipped the Lord so we see number one that we make sacrifices is one of the ways that we worship god now sacrifice in today's church is almost like blasphemy oh don't we don't want to say anything make people uncomfortable huh christianity ought to be uncomfortable it'll rub you the wrong way if you're filled with unbelief fear doubt or if you're a sinner but people rejoice in the things of god when we discover the truth about them. Could I get an amen? Listen, we as a people have got to embrace God's way of worship and service, not our way of worship and service. Amen? Hallelujah. And so, Abraham goes up. What does he unveil to us? I'm going up to worship God. He wasn't going up there to sing Kumbaya or Kumbaya or whatever that word is. He wasn't going up there to sing hallelujah. He didn't take a fiddle with him. He didn't take a banjo or a guitar. His worship was an act of sacrifice of something of the greatest value in his life. That's what sacrifice to the believer is to be. God doesn't want a broken-legged lamb. He doesn't want an one-eyed lamb. Look, God wants our best. Oh, don't talk like that. You, 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 no, no. God wants our best or he wants nothing. Either put him first because he won't lag second. Come on. Look, we're talking about what is God's purpose? God's purpose is this. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength, and with all your soul. And if you can't do it, you can't come into the kingdom. Come on, I'm preaching like a sanctified Baptist. Hallelujah. Listen, we are to worship God, and worship requires a sacrifice, an offering or a part of someone's life that is of greatest value. It is a part of our stewardship towards God. It is a part of our faith, a part of our trust, a part of our obedience and dedication, really a part of our whole belief system. Do we really believe in a kingdom of God? If we do, then every servant of any kingdom requires something that is above the ordinary. Leviticus, the 18th chapter and verse 21 It says, don't offer your children to Moloch. Where did they get that idea? They were burning their children to a false god. It was the same type of sacrifice that Abraham gave up. Nobody serves a god and expects them to have second place. and shout something. Hallelujah. Listen. See, we are so afraid of our culture. You mean you tithe? Well, that's stupid. You mean you give that church? Your, well, that, Well, boy, that's dumb. I'd never do that. Really? Well, you couldn't be a Christian anyway. I'm just telling you, if you can't give God your best, Here's what he said. All your heart, your mind, your soul, if you love your mother, brother, sister, homes or lands or anything else more than me, you can't enter the kingdom. Amen. Come on, just tell me anytime that you think I'm giving you heresy. See, the thing of it is, the church, you want to know how lukewarmness gets? You've left your first love. It's all this lukewarmness warm, appeasing people, gospel. The gospel is about the salvation of man for the worship and service of a sovereign God. That's what it's about. Could I get an amen? Jesus doesn't bow to us, we bow to him. Yeah, we have got to understand what God is asking people to be. The kingdom is an expression of worship and service through the people who God reigns in. And people should see our sacrifices, our devotion. You know what? In every airport in America, we don't have prayer rooms anymore. We have meditation rooms. You know why? Because they recognize halts, and religions that reject Christ. Now, they allow you to come in, but they're nothing like you think they used to be. They all have places where rugs can be spread out and pointed to Mecca. Are you against? No, I'm not against them. People get to worship what they want to worship. I'm not opposed to them, don't dislike them, not afraid of them, don't care about them. I don't care what they do. Except I'm going to preach the gospel. But why has the world so left Christianity and became subject to that which denies the son of the living God and the cross of Calvary? I'll tell you why. Because the church doesn't show forth any sacrificial love offerings. Every Muslim is going to get down, even in airports. I sit there sometimes and watch them. They all get down and pray seven times a day. You go to London, come prayer time, you'll see every Jew line up against the wall. What you don't see is any Christian praying over their food. Come on, are we Christians? I I wrote down a title of a message. Could I be found guilty for living for Jesus? Or would I have to defend myself? Oh, I don't want to preach that message. This is getting right into where they live right now. Now, I'm not trying to get you to do anything except become true worshipers of God. We have got to worship God on His. If you're going to be a servant of Moloch, you are going to offer up your children. Or you can't serve Moloch. Just understand. No, you can't be. But I want to be a follower of Moloch. But I I just don't want to give my children. You'll have to go find another religion, another God other than Moloch. So, what do we produce? We produce other Jesuses. We produce other gods to fit our belief system, not to be conformed to His. If I was in a Baptist church, I'd be expecting an offering. No, I know you're getting it. Somebody say, I'm getting it. it. All right. So we worship God those ways. What is the purpose of the church? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. The purpose of the church. Remember, any kingdom is reflection and expresses the nature of and the will and the purpose of the God or of the being that rules that kingdom. That's why TV does not promote family movies. That's why they're promoting same sex marriages. That's why they're promoting everything that they're promoting. Why? It's because they're trying to shape a culture a culture now I'm gonna make some of you mad Randy asked kids how many of you have seen men kissing men and women kissing women on TV in your house he said all kind of kids raised their hand he said you go home and tell your mom and dad that's wrong oh, come on. who in the world has to tell your kid that's wrong no no you you they are shaping culture and acceptance this is the church's job connected to the family connected to the education and connected to rule in our homes hallelujah first Corinthians 3 1 says this and brother and I I could not speak unto you as under spiritual Wow. But as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. For I have fed you with milk, and not with meat. For hitherto ye are not able to bear it, neither yet are... Thank you, God. Ye able... God just told me, son, I hope you're not looking for accolades after this message. (laughs) Yeah. And it says... God has such a sense of humor. He'll give you what to say and say, how in the world did you think they were going to receive that? Anyway, and it says, and ye are yet carnal, whereas there is among you in being strife and divisions and carnal and walk as men. Did I say 1 Corinthians? Let's go to 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry. I'm looking for us being living epistles. You know, you write these messages at 4 o'clock in the morning. Hallelujah. You're battling coffee. You're battling, let me go back to bed. You're battling, I want something to eat. You're battling, maybe I'll miss my shower today. I can sleep for 15 minutes. And don't worry, I missed it today. And, uh, (laughs) oh, I'm kidding you. Hallelujah, I ran through the sprinkler system. Now, uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 1. Now the board broke. Hello, here boy. Is this a paid position? No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Two. Second. C-O-R-T-H. Three. Dot, dot. One through. Three. There you go. Can you see it? Pretend like you do. Nope. Well, let's pretend. Let's just go over there and read it for us. Oh, hallelujah. All right. And it says, and we began again to commend ourselves, or need we as others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? For ye are our epistles written in our hearts, known and what? Read of all men. For so much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. In other words, we are to serve God by having our minds renewed, our ways transformed into God's ways, and we are to be living epistles. In other words, We are to serve God by lifestyle and by service. People should know. Somebody say, they should know. They should know that we're Christians. We shouldn't have to convince them. Praise God, we should be known. And then Matthew 5, 13, it says that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And men shall know you by your good works that you are the children of your heavenly father so we are to worship god we are to serve god his purpose is that people can read our lives and see the invisible god paul said when you see me you have seen christ that is to be the indictment against us and then we are to have good works a bunch of them. We are to do good deeds so that we are known as being the offspring of God. And then we are to love God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. And that demand that the Bible said if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Say that with me I love God and I will keep all of his commandments. Yeah hallelujah all right and then that brings us to the second requirement or the purpose of God is that we love one another Amen. how can you love God whom you have not seen and not love him whom you have seen Amen. we have to love the brethren that means that we are really love requires that we bear one another's burdens in other words we are to be involved in with people that we say we love. Yeah. We are to be involved in their problems, their lives. They are not to be ashamed of where they're struggling at. They should be accepted and allow our faith to do for them what their faith can't do for themselves. It means that we are to be tolerant. We are to put up with people. We are to be long-suffering. We are to be kind. We are to be gentle. We are to be forgiving. We are to be unoffendable no matter how mean people are because of what they're going through. Amen? How many of you are married uh, or or you have heard this? Well, it's that time of the month again. Like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Men are saying, oh, my God, Pastor, I've been waiting for you to say that. I just did Be free, men, be free. No, No, people go through different things. Sometimes it's not their choosing. They just go through it. But we have to be understanding. We have to be kind. We have to be gentle. We have to bear their burdens. The Bible says that we are to pray one for another. Paul said, I know this, Philippians 1, 19 says, I know that if you will pray for me, that there will come a supply of the Spirit of Christ and shall change my imprisonment. Now, there are spiritual prisons, there are natural prisons. But whichever one you're dealing with, you cannot see someone bound, incarcerated, struggling, or coming under the bondage of something and not pray. Not pray. We are commanded to pray one for another that they may be healed or that they may be whole. They may be rescued from that which is keeping them back. That's what we're called to do. Remember Jesus, when he saw Peter, he said, Peter, the devil has desired to sift thee like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. How many people have we seen struggling and just walked by, never prayed, never thought anything, said, boy, they got problems. (laughs) We all got problems. People are mirrors of ourselves. I'll say that again. People are mirrors of ourselves. I can find myself in everybody in this congregation. I can. Like Scott, good looking. Stand up, Scott, just show. This is me inside. Stand up, Scott. I, I want good looking, strong, bronze. That, that's me. I see myself in you. Stand up, David. I see myself in David. If I live to be 140 years old, this is me. I'm kidding you. Look, we can find ourselves in everybody. We're all made in the image of God. We're all reflective of something about God. And I'm telling you, each and every one of us have some type of reflection of somebody else in us. Amen. Praise God. So we are to love people. We are to pray for people. And then we understand that we are to be A part of an assembly because God has stationed five ministries, five callings, five offices, five gifts in the local church for the purpose of us being transformed and to mature in him. Now these are God-enabled, God-equipped anointed offices, callings, or gifts given to the body of Christ. They're located in an assembly. They're located in a building. Just like Solomon's temple was a building. Just like the synagogue was a building. I said, oh, the church is not a building. The church in the wilderness was a building. Now, certainly the church is not a building, but the church meets in a building, uses a building, and assembles in a building. And so we are brought together under those fivefold ministries for the purpose of the body to assemble together so that they can become mature this is found in Ephesians 4 9-16 that the church can become mature so that there'll be no more children tossed to and fro carried about by every wind of doctrine but that the church assembly would rise up and be set and be stable that the spirit of God would preach truth to them so that they may grow up in love, in love, one towards another. That every part of the body of Christ will be strengthened one to another. Somebody say one to another. See, I do my part to equip you, but nobody can take your place in the assembly. So, the pastor has his part, the assembly has their part. Amen. And the maturity is really not governed by what's always being preached, but by the activity of individuals in the assembly. Amen. Ooh, hallelujah. All right? And then, it so that every joint would supply that which is needed to every part, And so that then it is given to the place that it grows to the edifying of itself. Edifying of itself. Think of what it just said. Edifying of itself. There is never to be a discouraged, downcast, weary Christian come into an assembly and leave without being edified. Not that the pastor, well, why didn't he see it? Why didn't he call it out? That's not my job. It is your job edifying, supplying each part to what it needs. So when we come into an assembly, the assembly is not just set to minister to us. It's set so that we can minister to others. Remember, how is it that you come together? Everybody has a song, everybody has a prophecy, everybody has a tongue, an interpretation. Let it be done, but let it be done in order. People should come to church prepared. Come on, prepared that the Lord might use us, open our eyes to see the discouraged, the disgruntled, the weary, so that you and I can do our part. Could I get an amen? amen? Absolutely. And then the church, we're going to wrap it up. Thank God I've made it. We're going to wrap it up. Can we have Matthew 16, 15 through 20? Matthew 16, M-A-T-H, 16. Hey, boy, well, putty. Well, look at that. And it says, and he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And... Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. He loves that name. And, and he said, Unto this, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose shall be loosed in heaven. What is the church? The church is stationed by God in a land that he has selected in order to deal with with these six kingdoms that have been taken by the devil from man. Why? Because God knowing everything knew that these six kingdoms would be culture structures. So the church has been called now a church, That is to oppose kingdoms ruled by darkness. And the gates of hell, that tells us that we are to ascend to some place. The gates of hell shall not prevail. In other words, there are gates to every kingdom. Now, we have to go into those kingdoms. Could it get an amen? We have to storm the gates. We have to destroy every work of the enemy. We have to do what God has called us to do. And we have the power to do it. Jesus said, you shall receive power to be witnesses of me, to be expressions of the kingdom or to be expressions of me living in you. And then he says in Luke to the 12 disciples which we are taught, in their way make disciples so we are taught of them and we use the writings of the scriptures to become their pupils and the bible says that jesus called them together in luke 10:1, and he behold he gave them power over devils to cast out devils to heal the sick to cleanse the leper and to raise the dead he said freely you have received now freely give Whosoever sins you remit, they shall be remitted. And then he says, behold, I give you power over serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means will harm you. Don't ever doubt our authority. Don't ever doubt our ability to overcome, to transform the world that we live in. Don't ever doubt if God's with us. He is. And we're more than conquerors before the battle begins could I get an amen The Bible says that we have been equipped by God with the armor of God Ephesians 6:10 through 20 2 Corinthians 10:15 the weapons of our warfare are not carnal they are mighty they are the weapons that our father and angelic beings use to conquer areas of darkness Our weapons are not earthly they are mighty through God Secondly we are strong with the strength of Almighty God. Samson was nothing but a shadow of the true people of God. And one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, could have get an amen. And God has given us the ability to bind and to loose, bind and to loose. Whatever we bind, somebody say, It's up to me. I'm telling you, please don't doubt what God has said about you. If you doubt any of it, then you must doubt salvation itself. I don't doubt anything that God said. I'm not going to surrender to any questions about what he said. We're going to believe God. We're going to be the people of God. Let us be called Christian and turn the kingdoms upside down so that God can be known in our land and in our nation and in our homes. Be what God has called us to be. We bind and loose. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound. Whatever we loose on earth will be loose. Whatever we bind in heaven will be bound and whatever we loose on earth. By a loose in heaven will be loosed. And then the last thing, God's purpose for the church go into all the world and preach. And preach the gospel. 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 Preach the, gospel. Preach the, gospel. Preach the kingdom, David. Preach the kingdom. Let's get involved. I'm going to tell you how to overcome those six kingdoms next week. It's easy, but we have to do it. It's too easy just to sit and do nothing. So let you and I, let you and I just rise up and say, I am. body of christ i am the church i am the purpose of god i'm anointed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet i will tread upon the serpent and the adder i will pull down strongholds and give them no place and show no mercy i will rise up and i will be the king that god has called why do you think he calls us kings we're going to rule kingdoms. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to me. I'm telling you, God knows what we can do. He knows what we can do. He's just waiting for us to do it. The devil knows what we can do. Paul, I know. He knows what we can do. He's hoping will be just like we have been and do nothing no we are this chosen generation we are the generation that is going to declare the kingdom of God with power might and dominion and we're going to demonstrate it and we're going to establish it and there'll be nothing that will be able to resist us the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We will take their kingdoms, and they will never take them back from us. Amen. That's what we're going to do. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How are you doing today, young man? Young lady, how are you doing? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you do need a touch from God and uh, hallelujah there, there uh, you know there are many things that are connected with, with blood with, with diseases and so forth but sometimes we don't understand like you know, arthritis, sugar, diabetes and all that kind of stuff is connected but you really need an inducement of life in your blood, you need to be strong you need an increase of cellular structure. When when was the last time you was to the doctor? Uh, About six six months ago. About six months ago. What did he say to you? Well, God has healed me of multiple sclerosis, so I no longer have MS. Really, Now, now, what does MS have to do with it? Multiple sclerosis is a disease of your nervous system, and um, it, your body actually eats upon itself, on your nervous system. And so I was to a point where I was having difficulty thinking, and I was having difficulty walking, and God healed me, and I now think clearly, and I have no problem walking, and I can actually work outside. It was when it was over 70 Good. degrees, I couldn't breathe outside, and now I get out and work Good. on my farm. Well, I'll tell you what. That reproduction of those cells is just going to continue. And and you're going to live long, and you're not going to see any of that. And God is infusing that blood into you right now. So just to confirm in the mouth of one, the mouth of two, just know that God is doing a great blood. Yes, hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, there was somebody that came today that was on uh, kidney dialysis. Who, who is on that kidney dialysis? Uh, okay, you, sir. Hey, how you doing, guys? And uh, what caused your kidney failure? Uh, diabetes. Diabetes. Okay. All right. I think God could reverse them both. And uh, we're going to believe God. We believe nothing we, we get just what we shoot for. But if we shoot for a miracle. What if your count or your enzymes, that's what they judge your uh, kidney out of? Yeah. Okay. What if they were up to the levels they need to be? That means my kidneys are functioning brother. Okay. All right. So when do you go back to the doctor? Uh, the 14th the 14th yeah. okay all right and your name is james james all right hallelujah father in the name of jesus i curse god right now the sugar diabetes in his blood and i ask god right now that the marrow of his bone would begin to create new blood cells healthy blood cells god and father i break the power of this insulin resistance in his body. God let his body begin to process his foods normally, let God, the blood sugar be normal. Now I loose a miracle into the pancreas right now, and then God into this digestive system, and I speak to this kidney in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I loose a miracle. God. Recreative miracle, a cleansing miracle, into this kidney area, in the name of Jesus. I lose the working of miracles. Oh God, right now, let the enzymes, God, let them become normal. Let this kidney be resurrected and let it be alive and functioning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, and amen. Now, James, you go to the doctor. Uh, you know Mark. Do you know Mark? Yeah. Oh, good. You met him witnessing? All right. One of you get your number so I can find out the 14th. See Uh, what happens. Okay. Kidney specials. I get the blood work done. It's usually a a week after that. All right. Then let's find out what God's done so we can rejoice with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think we ought to just believe God for a miracle. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God hallelujah Scott didn't your aunt have a cancer of a kidney or something she had uh, kidney cancer right yeah, she wasn't had, had a tumor and uh, yeah and we prayed for her and they took her in and what happened well they went in and operated and they opened up one side looked and there wasn't a tumor and then they actually went around and looked on the other kidney and it was gone Cut her open twice, and the tumor wasn't there. Demon. Man, that's wild stuff. Hallelujah. All right, lift your hands up towards heaven today. Father, this is a great day of celebration for America. God, we celebrate the 4th of July, the freedom bought by us, much like our redemption by the blood of others. By the blood of people will never know, maybe never meet. God, we thank you for this nation. God, the seed distributor of the gospel of the world. God, nations transformed. Billions of people saved by the sacrifice of a people preaching the gospel, sending others. God, we thank you for people that have went, people that have supported them, people that have sent them, God. We thank you. We thank you for those who have been dedicated, missionaries, people, God, that have been great crusaders for lost souls. We thank you that you have had them born, that God, you sent them, and that God America still stands as a seed distributor of finances of the gospel of Jesus Christ and of love towards all mankind. And God... I thank you for the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus, given to us by the shed blood of Jesus. Now, God, today, God, even today, touch families, heal families, God, mend families. God, let people celebrate of their freedom one with another today. God, let us be proud of the heritage of our fathers, that which has been given to us Let us honor and let us protect. And God, we thank you for all of the men and women that have given their lives and their service that we might know freedom. God, let this 4th of July be the greatest 4th of July of our life. God, put a word in their mouth that they might minister to those that they run into over this celebration holiday. God, open their ears and their hearts that people might believe and might receive Christ as a personal Savior. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday night. Hallelujah.